You know, there's a part of me that wants to say congratulations to you as graduates for the achievements you've made. There's a part of me that says, don't go out there. It's a dangerous world. It seems like now more than ever before, we are separated by different narratives. There's a lot of narratives out there. Depends on what side of the aisle you're on, whether you bleed blue or bleed red. You know, some are, are, are maskers, some are anti-maskers, some are vaxxers, some are anti-vaxxers. There are those who believe the big lie and then there are others who call the big lie something else. And we work off of different definitions and, and there, there are totally different narratives. All you have to do is turn on Fox News and listen for a while. Then turn on CNN and listen for a while. And it's like it's two different worlds. Don't go out there. It's a dangerous place. But really it's no different than it's been forever. I remember when I graduated from high school. It was in the mid-1970s. Oops, I just dated myself. But it was at the time of the oil embargo and, and there was a, a threat of, of nuclear proliferation and war and annihilation and the AIDS uh, pandemic was beginning to hit. It was a difficult time and I go, Lord, why are you sending me out into a world that's so messed up? And there's a part of me that wanted to blame the generation that went before. If it weren't for people like my parents. And then I got this little whisper from the voice that was in my ear. that said, because in the darkness you have the ability to light a candle. That's why you go. That's why you have been trained for this. And that's the privilege you bear. Watching the Royals baseball game the other night, uh, the commentators were having a conversation about pitching. One spoke an oft-quoted pitching philosophy, which I had lost track of. When he said, don't pitch to the batter's weakness, pitch to your strength. Wow. And of course, I had to Google that, and I found all the places that's been said. And I thought, well, that'll preach. If we are worried about the weaknesses of the world, we'll cower in our corner and we won't go anywhere. And if we pitch to the weaknesses of the batter, then we'll stoop to their level and it it won't help. It won't help. How profound. Pitch to your strength. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to his friends at the church in Ephesus, was talking about pitching to their strength. Now, Ephesus was not an entirely friendly place to the Christian message. The Apostle Paul and his companions as they went there to tell about the love of Jesus and, and the death and the resurrection of Jesus and the Holy Spirit which gives us strength to engage the challenges of the world. There were 
lots of people there who didn't want that change in the narrative and they opposed Paul. In fact, there were times when they would literally riot. And it was like Paul was saying, don't pitch to their weaknesses. Pitch to your strengths. And then he named them for them. Because we are rooted and grounded in love. And we have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of God's love. We can be rooted and grounded in that love that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. We have a story to share to the nations. A new narrative that's built on grace and possibility rather than on rules and judgment. We have a narrative that builds on the foundation of hope rather than builds on the ruins of others that we tear down because we pass so much blame. And he's praying for them that they may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints the very fullness of God. And that's after having laid out the the new narrative. And it's a narrative of God's grace. That though we were dead through our trespasses, though we were stone cold through the things that, that we have cultivated that tear us down, God, out of his abundant mercy, lifted us up and raised us up and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us. Someone has said that there are two philosophies of, of uh, increasing excellence in your life. One philosophy is... Uh, trying to shore up your weaknesses, taking classes, skills, uh, training, so that you can, you can uh, bolster your weaknesses so you can be a well-balanced person. There's another school of thought, another narrative. It says, don't worry about your weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. Build those up and find somebody else to do your weaknesses. Delegate. Because when you build on your strength, you have the power to change the landscape of the world. Well, you probably sit through lots of speeches and you don't need another one. I promised you if you talked a long time while ago that I wouldn't talk very long. But I have so much to say. But it seems to me that in the midst of the multiple narratives in our lives today, And the need to decide whose narrative we're going to live by. I want to encourage you to choose the narrative of the gospel. It's a narrative that still works today. Jesus is still the Lord and Savior of our lives He is still the supreme example. And when you open up your Bible, you'll find that its narrative, all of it points to Jesus Christ. 
who through his teaching and his example and his sacrifice and his love showed us how to win in this life. And it's not by power and getting. It's not by tearing others down through the blame game. (laughs) It's about cutting off the corners of love and giving away your strengths and like the children, I'm, I'm glad you're still children. Don't grow up till you have to. Don't grow up till you have to. We get more back than we ever gave away. That's why we come to church. Because we want to be rooted and grounded in love. We want to learn what it means to draw the circle wider. We want to learn what it means to, to be the kind of people that can be world changing forces for good. Now, not every one of us will agree in this, in this room on a lot of things. Now, if I say, do you believe the sky is blue? How many of you believe the sky is blue? Well, most of you do. How, how many believe that the grass is green? Yeah. How many of you don't? Oh, okay. Well, yeah. yeah well. How many of you believe the socks evaporate from the laundry? See? Now there's more. We can buy a lot of agreement there. How many of you believe that graduating is a great victory? Yeah. Don't sell yourself short. But take thou authority to be the authors and the perfecters of a narrative that the world is so desperate to hear. The Apostle Paul summed it up so poignantly in one verse that has been my mantra through this whole pandemic and and through these debates about who God accepts in the church and who God doesn't accept, who is deserving of life and who isn't. It's Ephesians 4.32. Memorize it if you can. So simple. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Do this, and you will live. Do this, and you will be able to embrace people from all walks of life that think like you, that don't think like you, that look like you, that don't look like you, that smell like you, that don't smell like you. And you'll be able to love even when people don't love you. The sharing of kindness is one of the greatest and healthiest things we can do. That doesn't mean people will return your kindness. Just because you help someone doesn't mean they will like you. Help them anyway. Just because you love someone doesn't mean they won't divorce you. Love them anyway. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you won't be a hypocrite. Go to church anyway. And rub shoulders with the people who want Jesus to be desperately a part of their lives.
part of their lives. We sang uh, a hymn at the very beginning of the service today. Some of you may not know it. Uh, Martin Luther, from uh, way back in the 1500s, uh, wrote that the words to that song. And he was seeking as the parish priest in Wittenberg, Germany, to give the, the parishioners a different narrative. In a time when the pall of death hung around them, and the, the power of the church was being abused all around them, and kings and queens were fighting with each other. He said it's like there's an evil force in the world, but he gave them a different narrative, and that's when he wrote, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark who will never fail, our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. What you build up, there will be plenty of people who will want to tear down. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. That's why I fear for you when you go out into the world. But you can do this. He goes on to say, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Ha! The prince of darkness grim. We tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. And I, the, the favorite phrase in that whole hymn is this one. One little word shall fell him. Gone. Send him back to where he belongs. And we'll do that if you will pitch to your strength and not to the weaknesses of others. And if you will take the darkness and do as we do every Sunday, Light a candle. Now in a moment, we'll take the light from those candles. We'll walk it out of here. And may that symbolism enter your spirit this day and go with you. That you will feel the strength and the permission to be world-changing disciples of Jesus. Because you got the right stuff. Moms, you got the right stuff. Dads, you got the right stuff. Adults, sometimes I just don't want to adult. But we still have the right stuff. And the Apostle Paul was saying, take that with you. That's a grace that one day will take you home and show you the marvelous riches of his grace and kindness toward us. For it is by grace that you have come to this place. And it is by grace that you move forward.